The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. Uh, this is a Monday mailbag. Monday, May 25th. Reminder, download, subscribe, rate, and review. If you want your a question for the Super Friends, it can be about anything. If you want it to be featured in a future mailbag, we'll be doing them all throughout the offseason because you guys have great questions. Uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast, and we will answer it. It can be about a team, um, uh, you know, player, an offseason, uh, you know, breaches preferred swaddling method, whatever you want. You can ask us about anything. Uh, how Sean cuts his own hair. Uh, maybe, you know, talk about Ryan Wilson's life crisis. We'll get to that in a little bit, uh, first. And uh, by the way, we'll also get to, uh, after the break, we have an interview with Seahawks offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer. Love Shotty. Can we call him Shotty? I guess I can call him Shotty. Uh, he, I asked him about Pete Prisco and his list. And he says that Pete is quote experienced, which made me laugh. And then he, uh, he actually flipped the interview on me and started asking me about NC State quarterbacks. So we'll get to that in a minute. Instead. Uh, okay. Yes, go ahead. No, nah, never mind. I won't say it. Did you bring up Shane Montgomery, the greatest NC State quarterback of all time? I did not. Jeez, Brenton. Well, so he, he coached Rivers of the Chargers and he has Russell now. And so he's like, which one, who's the greatest NC State quarterback? Wait a second. I think Russell. What did he say at the Super Bowl, John, when he was asked, when he brought up independently where he went to college? Well, that was uh, he did not say North Carolina State. That's all I'm going to say. Weird. Whole pack that of Badgers. Was that was not. But it's actually, you know, it's actually interesting. So we talked about it like, <clears throat> um, he was like, you know, one of the things we'll talk about, and you can hear it after the break, but he's like, you know, Russ, like, you know, people don't, people don't realize it, but Russ like holds grudges. But he does it like because of the way he talks publicly. Like you know that Aaron Rodgers holds grudges, and you can like like he just makes you aware of like which grudges he has. But like Russell Wilson does it in a chip on your shoulder kind of way. But it's not he doesn't make it obvious in public. Who does he have grudges against? Well, Tom O'Brien for one. You in the third round? I'm sure he has plenty of grudges. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, you know, it's always it's not like he it's not like he like is like a like. It's just like Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Like you're you you're coming up with stuff to motivate you. Uh, anyway, Who has more grudges. Russell Wilson or Will Brinson? Ah, Will Brinson, for sure. But Brinson does the Rogers school of thought where everyone knows. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm passive aggressive about it. And 
I'll let you know. You should, grow, you should just have a mustache like Aaron Rodgers. Don't have a beard. Just have a mustache. Should I do, should I get a mustache? My, my buddy Nathan, uh, did, had a beard. He never has, never does facial hair, but he had a, he had a beard rocking for quarantine. And he was like hanging out of his house, listening to Frank Zappa. And next thing you know, he shaved his, shaved his beard into a mustache. And he, he was still, doing more than listening to Frank Zappa. Uh, is that a wacky tobacco reference? I don't think that's the case. Um, not, certainly not in this state. Maybe in California or Colorado. Like, yeah, I don't, like, I don't know. like Sean. If you're going to hipster, uh, hipster, hippie it up, I figured maybe that he was having. Zappa's not really. Anyway, tangent time. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. So. A Memorial Day mailbag. Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. I hope your holiday went great. And, or it's uh, going great. This is Monday. Yeah, that's right. Um, but you know what? We don't get any days off because we are constantly working, even during the off season. Nobody works harder than the four of us. <laughs> I've seen a couple of people work harder. Yeah, it's like we're up there. You know, we're in like the top five hundred thousand. Hey, I tell you what, we provide a good bang for our buck. That's for sure. Yeah, you can't beat the price. <laughs> sure can't. All right, worth your time, especially for free. Andrew Dozer writes on Apple Podcast. I will admit I'm relatively new to keeping up with the NFL, not college football, but is it, poss- but is it a possibility that the DeAndre Hopkins trade looks bad because other teams that knew that Bill O'Brien didn't get along with him and knowing that he would eventually dump him, squeeze most of his trade leverage away? My assumption is that O'Brien is not an idiot they just hired off the streets. I would presume he has a working knowledge of the game, lest no one would hire him even in the most basic role. Not every coach-player pair is perfect, reminding me of the Patriot way here, but is this actually a possibility? Again, I'm here to be learned. I, myself, am probably an idiot. I like Andrew. Um, uh, I think that's a fair point. I mean, everyone thought that the Steelers got robbed on the uh, the Antonio Browns, right? It was a third-round pick. Right? I, yeah, they got Deontay Johnson for it. So, yeah, on the surface right. So, Pete Prisco was on during his top 100 list, and he had DeAndre Hopkins at 31, which is really low for a guy who could arguably be the best receiver in football. Uh, he's behind Michael Thomas, obviously, and he behind Chris Goblin, too, and behind Julio Jones. Um, the Pete's, Pete, Pete keeps saying this, and like Pete is, Pete knows, Pete knows a lot of people around the league, and people like to gossip to Pete because Pete doesn't report anything. He just like, he just has like this like crazy well of gossip. And he, like, he doesn't even, like, care about, like, like, scoops. He just wants gossip. Um, and Pete, he keeps, he keeps bringing up Hopkins' knee. Like, I, I, I just sort of, like, I do wonder, like, if this thing is, like, so obviously one-sided that maybe, maybe there's more to it and maybe we'll find out that, that Hopkins is, um, you know, starting to maybe, maybe he's already peaked and he's, he's gonna be declining. I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't personally think so. Uh, but I do believe that, Bill O'Brien, by virtue of wearing the the two hats, the coach and the GM, has hurt himself in contract negotiations, in trade talks, uh, and leverage because he allows his feelings as a coach to flow over into his approach as a GM. And I think that's something that Bill Belichick has been excellent at. Uh, you know, sort of separating church and state. And I don't think Bill O'Brien's very good at it right now. I would just say on Bill O'Brien, or first on DeAndre Hopkins, if he is playing on a knee that's going downhill, that's deteriorating, uh, he didn't show it last season because three of his final five games, he went over 115 yards receiving. Uh, and if you have a bad knee, it usually gets worse as the season goes on, not better. Uh, so if I'm the Cardinals, I am absolutely thrilled. And Prince, I think you hit the nail on the head here. 
Like, Bill O'Brien has done a great job as a coach. They've made the playoffs in four of the past five years, despite all the crazy things he's done. But he is the general manager. He's he's killed himself as the general manager. He is the guy in Madden who loses like 51 to nothing, making these crazy trades. Some of them go through, but most of them don't because not even Madden would accept them. I think people put the DeAndre Hopkins trade into the Madden, and, and Madden was like, no, nah, you, you can't do that. That's just uh, – that, that you're not getting – I did time. that. I put it into yeah, Madden, exactly. and it was rejected. Yeah, it was yeah, rejected. Like not even a video game would accept this <laughs> trade. And, look, it's not just ha- Hopkins. Remember, he traded away Jadevian Clowney. Uh, do we even remember who he got from the Seahawks for that? Jacob Martin, Barkevius Mingo, uh, not exactly making up for Clowney. They also got a third-round pick in that deal. And then the Tunsil-Stills deal looks a little okay now, but – he still gave up two first round picks and a second round pick. Like that's a lot of compensation. And then to turn around and give Laramie Tunsil $22 million a year, uh, which is $4 million more than any other offensive lineman has ever made per year in NFL history. So they blew past, uh, which, which, you know, Tunsil, you obviously had to pay him, but giving him that much money seemed a little insane. So just Bill O'Brien, the general manager, has been Bree, making all these I'm, insane decisions. How much are they paying on Dave, David Johnson's deal? A lot. Okay, I didn't know if they how they split that up. So if they're taking on uh, that contract as well, yeah, well, they didn't restructure. They, they are taking it on, yeah. if I remember correctly. So, that was the assumption: is the Cardinals must be paying it, but so they're the, not well, paying it. But the, so the thing on Laramie Tunsil, and, and this is sort of where, like, when we talk about Bill O'Brien, when that trade happened, Joel Corey, among other people, pointed out that Bill O'Brien not negotiating a contract extension with Laramie Tunsil before the trade happened or like not working something out was a mistake because that was going to allow Laramie Tunsil to basically say, here's how much money I want. And Bill O'Brien to say, okay, dude, here it is. Laramie Tunsil didn't have an agent. He negotiated $22 million a year from the Houston Texans when the next highest paid tackle is $16.5 million, he got $22 million without an agent. Why can't I work for the Houston Texans? Like, you're just getting handed cash. Like, you're just, hey, Bill, I want $22 million. He's like, oh, sure, that's $6 million more than the going market rate for tackles. But that sounds great, Laramie. Let's do it. I mean, he gave up so much for Tunsil that he was forced into a position where he just had to pay him whatever Tunsil he wanted. had all the leverage. Yeah. Tunsil took that team hostage because you can't give up two first-round picks and right. let him leave that quickly. Well, you have to pay him or you got taken to a, the woodshed in the trade. So it's just, yeah, so. it's insane. He got got on the giving up first two rounders and on the back end with the with the deal. So that was a loose. He gave up a second round pick for Brandon Cooks. Yeah, it's a lot of. It's yeah, like, I, I think I think that I think the takeaway is that the because look, we make fun of Bill O'Brien, but we mostly make fun of them some of it for the on field stuff. But they they go to the playoffs and they win yeah. football games. It's mostly the the front office stuff and the and the apparent power struggles from the outside looking in uh, with Bill O'Brien and whoever the the general manager of the day is. If if you take away the four and twelve season where um, uh, Watson tore his ACL, and I'm, I mean, I mean that's they went three and three with Watson that year. Yeah, I'm just saying if you take away like that's his only season without that's with the year less, by the way where he started Tom Savage and figured out at halftime that Deshaun Watson as a rookie should probably be. It's unbelievable. <laughs> um, but like that's his only season with less than nine wins in his yeah. coaching career. You take that away and he's 16 games above 500, like. He's a, got 54, you know, was won 54% of his games. And I think what has three division titles, like it's, he's, he's, he wins games. And if, well, and if the argument is that he didn't get along with the player and the player didn't get along with the coach, I mean, that's why you're supposed to have a GM there where you force the guys to work together because it's not, if they haven't gotten along for the last three years, 
it hasn't affected the on-field product if you just look at the, his numbers and you well, look at how. It's not necessarily the GM's job to make them get along, but the GM will get a better deal than what this GM got because the coach, who's the same person, was mad about sure, yes. with the relationship. And my point being is that the coach should just be able to work through it because, it, 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 again, it has not affected the on-field product from Hopkins. And if you look at what percentage of the Texans' offense he's been the last three years, even if they did, didn't get along, they had a feud, it was working just fine in terms of football. You don't have to be best friends with everyone on your team. You know, It can be a professional relationship where you work together and that's it. Yeah. Now, I don't have any recollections other than Hopkins balling out before Deshaun Watson got there after he got hurt of him. Do we know of any reports where he was angry about having people short hopping the ball, Brock Osweiler throwing balls 40 feet over his head or anything? Because I don't remember hearing anything about that. I mean, I think, generally speaking, he was probably. But do you remember anything, like, specifically, oh, there's a report that Dre Hopkins is pissed? He that... said something last month about it, but that was but, the first time he said it. But he didn't say it in 20. He, he, he dealt with some really bad quarterback situations performed really well and didn't and didn't publicly complain about it he he said this last month if i could do it with brock osweiler i could do it with anybody that's not even a, <laughs> that's, that's true he's not even a, exactly no and he's doing it after he left the team too so, yeah. to, so i'm completely fine with it and yeah, one thing I, with Bill O'Brien, we all agree, you know, that he has gotten this team to the playoffs, but I think this is really a test here because the Hopkins trade is the craziest thing he's ever done. And the Texans have also been in a division that just hasn't been competitive. Like that's a reason they've been able to get there. Jacksonville's had one good year in the past five years. Andrew Luck has missed, you know, retired in 2019, missed the entire 2017 season, missed like half the 2015 season. And that the Titans were the Titans, uh, with Mike Malarkey. You knew they weren't going to do anything. Somehow they, they willed their way to nine and seven, but they weren't just very competitive. And so this year, though, it's completely different. You have the Titans could win the division. You have the Colts who could win the division. And so this is the year where I think Bill O'Brien, if he wins it this year, I'm never questioning him again. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. But if he doesn't, then I think it's fair to question every movie he's ever made. And, and look, I said this at a time, like, and it's apples and oranges, I guess. But if Bill, if Bill Belichick did this, we'd be like, well, what does he know about Deshaun, about DeAndre Hopkins that we don't? You know, he'd be like, well, maybe, like, maybe it's just, you know, the year too early thing. I almost wonder if, like, Bill O'Brien thinks he's pulling a Belichick here, but in reality, he's like three years too early. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and by the way, this is another thing to watch with Houston. Uh, since 2016, they have just three first round picks that they've acquired. Now, they, obviously, they traded for Laramie Tunsil. Um, and then who else did they get for a first round pick? Did they have another one? Am I crazy? Well, they gave up two picks for Watson. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's the Watson. So they have Will Fuller, 2016, Deshaun Watson, 2017, um, Titus Howard, 2019. Like, I know you got Tunsil, and that's great, but at a certain point, a lack of first round picks and an infusion of talent, it can cause a, deter- a, a deterioration that, that we sort of don't see coming. I don't think it'll happen because they have Watson, but you know. Especially when you have to pay the quarterback suddenly big money, and then that limits your ability to go sign free agents and that you need to draft players in order to keep a good Like, I, I feel like that's sort of what happened with the Rams last year. And they still won nine games, but, you know, they missed the play. I mean, like, that's what I was, like, I think the Texans could go, go nine and seven. And Watson's better than Goff, too. So yeah. when he does get paid, they will be able to survive. Like, Watson's already dragged them to the playoffs with the worst offensive line. That like he yeah. and then like Ryan's gonna make fun of me because I've been saying they could still make the playoffs, but I really do think with Watson they're always going to be a fringe playoff team at worst. He has been sacked a hundred and six times the last two years. That that is a concern. Seventy two or sixty two two years ago. So I think it got better last year. So I remember that used to be the talking point last off season. 
He, they drafted offensive linemen, so it was six, 62 last year or 2018, 2018, 44 last year. Yeah, I mean they improved the offensive line. Howard, they got um Larry Tunsil and they got Max Sharping, so they have some young offensive linemen that, to Sean's point, if they can protect him. Yeah, you, I guess you always have a chance. Um. All right. So I mean, yeah, Bill. Bill a year from now, we're like Bill O'Brien's a genius. Yeah, that's why Andrew, we're all idiots too. Uh, the Josh Rosen situation from also why are all the names taken via Apple podcast? Okay. Uh, what happens if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt and then the Finns put in Josh Rosen, but he plays really well? Uh, that's not a bad problem to have. Here's something that was in the Miami Herald last week. Uh, I think our buddy Adam Beasley was one of the, had one of the bylines. Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator who just sort of got fired in January. It would seem to come out of nowhere. Obviously, the first-year guy, he came over with Brian Flores from New England, where I think he was the linebacker's coach, secondary's coach. He was a defensive assistant. But uh, according to, to some of the, the people they spoke with in the organization, his his defense was so complex and so much based on the way that Patriots are doing it with Tom Brady, who'd been there forever, that it just wasn't working with the young players in, in Miami. And he wasn't coaching it very well, according to people that talked to Beasley and the rest of the guys at the byline. So the the takeaway is that maybe Josh Rosen is really good. He was put it, set up to fail last year in that system where he played. I don't know how many games he played before they finally benched him and turned to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, because there was a, uh, one of the, the people in the story said that Chad O'Shea would go to Flores and say, so-and-so doesn't know the, the offense. And whether you're talking about Josh Rosen or wide receiver, I don't know. But the point is that um, maybe Josh Rosen wasn't given an opportunity and maybe he isn't terrible. So the the long answer is, if he goes in and plays well, you trade him for a second round pick. Yeah. And that's what you do. Yeah. Would there be any temptation if he plays well to trade Tua? I, I, it probably depends how well, right? That he plays. That next year's year three. So there's only a year and the fifth year option with, with just Josh Rosen left. So that's also something to consider. I, I think that Miami is so, like, clearly they all, they wanted Tua all along. I mean, I, you know, I think they would have taken Burrow if they had had the first overall pick, but they clearly they wanted two all along. They got him at five. I think they're all in on this guy. And I, to, you know, the problem with the Rosen thing is like, Tua is, you know, like he's draw, he's creating interest in the Miami Dolphins and he's selling, if there are tickets next year, you know, he's selling tickets. He's selling jerseys. He's very popular down there and Dolphins fans think he's the savior. So I, I would be surprised if Steve, I would be very surprised if Steven Ross would sign off on let's trade Tua instead of Josh Rosen or like even Josh Rosen going to game. I think the Dolphins would put Ray Finkel at starting quarterback before they let Josh Rosen on the field. If Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt, they're absolutely putting Tua in. Like they wouldn't even think about putting Rosen in. I just no, if two, if, if two like if they if they decide to redshirt Tua this year, but, because but of his think about or how lowly they thought of Josh Rosen last year. They traded a second round pick to Arizona. That's a lot of compensation. So this is when you get someone like that, you say, hey, we need to see what he can do on the field because we need to know if we're going to keep him. They put him out there for three games and yeah. he gets benched. So yeah, like, but, but I just said that. No, no, know. I understand the complex offense part, but even if you're in a complex offense, like he only completed 53% of his passes. That is a the offense coordinator. If the offense coordinator thinks you don't know the offense, I'm not saying Chad O'Shea said that about Josh Rosen, but just for the sake of discussion, that would be a reason to be like, all right, we have to eat the second round pick. Right. Although and if that, you're tanking for two, I don't know why you would leave him out there. And, and, but if Rosen struggled in Arizona, struggled in Miami, maybe Rosen just has trouble picking up offenses. Maybe I don't know. I mean, maybe the new they brought in Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey's worked with Ryan Fitzpatrick, incidentally. So that who knows? Maybe things go better, but maybe he has more experience working with the young quarterbacks than like. Um, and, and you know, I, 
I just real quick, the crazy thing about Chad O'Shea getting fired because his offense was too complex is that his last game was against the Patriots and he was running a Patriots style offense and it diced up the Patriots and they basically cost New England, uh, you know, home field advantage or at least the first round by by upsetting them in that week 17 game. And they scored I, 20 or more points over the final seven weeks of the season. So, uh, it's crazy. How about I actually, I agree with Breach's larger point though that we're not going to see Rosen. I don't see unless Tua gets hurt. I don't I don't see any reason why they would even risk a situation like this where Josh Rosen does play well and we've never seen Tua and then they are put in this spot. I think Josh Rosen is only going to play in the preseason. Where if they where they trade him to the Patriots for a fourth round pick and he wins the Super Bowl? But if they come yeah. out and say we're going to let Tua sit for twenty twenty, then. Clearly, Josh I think was, you have. I think you have to be upfront with that, though, and say that heading into the season. That I think there, I think, I think there needs to be a circumstances. I think there needs to be a medical situation for Tua for to do that. Otherwise, like fans are going to be pretty chippy. Oh yeah, but I mean, every year in August, we see guys go on the IR for thigh injuries. You know, the and they leave. They, well, I mean, look, like as we said, Bill O'Brien started Tom Savage. You know, who, I mean, I mean, like Brian Flores could start Ryan Fitzpatrick and then be like, oh, whoops. Yeah, got Tua. Who knows? Uh, okay. Next question from Justify Centuries. Do you guys think that the Jets did a good job this season? I guess he means off season. I think that Mims, Denzel Mims out of Baylor, the wide receiver in the second round was a steal. Do you? I, I will point out that uh, somebody, I don't know if it was an Apple podcast or an email to me or a DM, and I think I replied to them. I hope I did. They, we're lamenting. They're like, I love, I love the podcast. Listen all the time. Was really pumped to hear what you guys would say about the Jets. And you like, like, like they treated him like a speed bump. So let's get. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of the Apple podcast reviews. I read that too. Yeah. So I let's like twenty minutes on the Bills and no time on the Jets. Yeah. So let's give a little. Uh, let's. Fle- I've been meaning to mention that previously. So let's flesh out the uh, the Jets and whether so Josh or not- Allen I think has a really good chance to win the MVP. That was my Bills joke. Uh, I was like, what? Flip <laughs> um, it. Put it on Twitter. There it is. So. I really like what the Jets did this offseason. I think, um, oh my God, how am I drawing a blank on their GM's name who came from Philadelphia? Joe, Joe Douglas. Jeez. Uh, recorded this on a Friday. So, you know, drinking too many iced coffee beers. Yeah. I had a, uh, I actually had a slingshot, uh, cold brew before we started. What is that? I thought you were having sober quarantine. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't, three minutes. I haven't been sober in quarantine yet. Um, <laughs> that, explains, the, that explains the shirt. The shirt is, is it Peter Millar Raleigh Country Club shirt, baby. He said Peter Millar like all of us would know. <laughs> I, I have a Peter Millar shirt, but I wouldn't throw out a brand name like that. My God, I, I mean, I, mean, I will beg Peter Millar to hook up, hook a, hook a dude up with uh, a Take little sponsorship. Shirts. Yeah, he's Peter Millar. Is he related to Kevin Millar? He's actually not a real person, I don't think. Oh. Um, Kevin Millar is. Kevin Millar is. Uh, anyway, um, Joe, Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas uh, I thought, did a, a really good job. Like, he didn't he, – there's a lot to fix on that offense. And I, I liked the idea of sort of doing what Buffalo did uh, two years before, I guess. You say, we got a young quarterback. He needs protection. Uh, we're going to beef up the offensive line through some low cost free agent signings. And then they went out and supplemented it by using their first round pick on Makai Becton. And for me, the Jets, uh, needed to figure out a way to get an offensive lineman and a wide receiver. And I wouldn't have minded if they'd taken Judy or Lamb in the first round and then tried to come back and get a lineman. But I think they read the room right in the draft. 
and took Becton in the first round and then were able to get Mims in the second round. That was a big plus for them. I like the, I like LaMichael Pirine as a fourth round player. Uh, Gore, Frank Gore is going to ruin Le'Veon Bell's fantasy purposes, but they have enough talent there at the running back position to sort of take the burden off Sam Darnold. I, and I just, I, I, I am surprised at how few people are expecting or predicting or, uh, you know, projecting any kind of leap from Sam Darnold. Like this, he's not that far removed from being an elite quarterback prospect. He just got freaking mono last year. No, the Sam other, Donald's good. Yes. Go ahead, the other thing I was going to add is even if they didn't make any of these huge flashy signings, we have to remember that that's what they did a year ago. And they like CJ Mosley, for example, I, I like that signing. He only played in two games. So that's almost going to be like an extra addition, even though he didn't come in this offseason. If you get CJ Mosley of 2016 to 2018, that defense, which was already really good by the advanced metrics, is going to get even better. So yeah. they didn't need to go out and spend a ton of money because they did that a year ago, whether it was Le'Veon Bell or C.J. Mosley. They just didn't get the kind of production that we would assume from those players. Mike McCagnan yeah. spent a ton of money in free agency multiple times, and it didn't ever work out very well for him. Uh, the like, I think people people are like quick to kind of dismiss Quinn and Williams too. I mean, he didn't have a great first year, but like. He's a young dude. I mean, he could, he could have an, he could have, a, he could have a breakout season in, in 2020. Uh, so- look, in August 2018, he didn't even know if he was going to be a starter in yeah. Alabama. So he is extremely young. When I, when he was at the draft, he had braces on at the draft. Yeah. yeah. He didn't have a great year, but he's 22. Yep. 22. 23 yet. Yep. Yeah. Just- he's going to, he's going to be really good. I thought he was fine too. He didn't flash, but he I didn't thought he was flash fine. flash like he did Alabama and people were like, Oh my God, what happened? Yeah. He's playing against guys who's a lot better. Yeah, I mean, he's, I, think, I was actually just looking through my draft grades. Um, the Jets ranked ninth in terms of the ninth best draft class when I had to do that thing at the end of post draft. They added Ashton Davis out of Cal, Sean's guy. Bryce Hall, I thought was like maybe my favorite day three pick overall. Um, I, I, and I, they added Braden Mann, who was my favorite sixth or seventh round pick. He's a punter. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I, he's going to play for the team for a long time. You get a guy in sixth or seventh round that's going to be on the team for ten years. That's a steal. I was I was talking to um uh like a TV reporter that covers Texas A&M out of out of Texas, obviously, and he asked me what I thought about Braden Mann before the draft. Oh my god! <laughs> and you said call breach. I said call breach. I was like, I don't know what Braden's going to do. <laughs> but this draft class actually is is legit. Like, uh, they signed a couple guys, offensive linemen during the free agency, and we're like, ah, eh, that's a step in the right direction. And we were like, well, maybe they'll draft a receiver at eleven. But they they needed more help at offensive line. They got it, Mackay Becton, and Denzel Mims. To to the original question, I do think it's a steal in the second round. Yeah, there's some concerns that maybe he he won't be ready to go right away. But who cares? He's I think the, the funniest thing, and you kind of just hit on it, Ryan, is that they literally went out and signed every second tier offensive lineman that was on the market. They're like, we're not going to blow all our money on one guy. We're going to go out and get a a Connor McGovern, a George Fan, Alex Lewis, Greg Van Roten. They, they just went out just beefed up the depth on their offensive yeah. line. They're like, someone's going to work there. We're just going to throw as many things on the wall as we can and hope something sticks. And obviously, Makai Becton was big. And I think – and I thought the Pierre de Sir, which is something I think I've mentioned multiple times this offseason, I couldn't believe the Colts let him go. Like, that's huge in the secondary. Their secondary is so much better. And I think my biggest issue with the Jets, though, because they have had a fantastic offseason, is their schedule is just brutal this year. And, and that's why I, I don't really see them – being a playoff team, you just look at their first three games at Buffalo, play the 49ers and at Colts. You know, that, that is, it wouldn't be shocking if they come out of the gate 0 and 3. And if you do that, you know, you're in trouble. Yeah. They fit, you know what? They, um, so they, the way that they played last year, I think people sort of like, so the Atlanta Falcons, 
everybody's like, they finished six and two down the stretch. They can win 14 games in 2020. It's like, well, the Jets finished six and two down the stretch too. Like that's sort of, I, I don't think enough people are given that credit. Like that's a strong close of the season. And you know, when you look they at beat those the Steelers and Duck Hodges, they did. They beat the Bills in Buffalo. They're only t- they lost at the Bengals, of course. That famously they throttled the Raiders. How did they lose to the Bengals? Did Danny Dalton play that game? He must have played that game, right, Breach? Uh, wait, they beat the Bills. The Bills were resting their starters just to. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because the Bills were locked into that spot. But it, but Sam Darnold actually, I you know it's funny. I rewatched the Steelers Jets game just the other day. The defense and T.J. Watt destroyed that offensive line is so bad in in New York. And Sam Darnold didn't play great in that game, but he still found ways to make plays. He had a couple really good throws. And, and the takeaway is the offensive line sucks. And I think that's what they addressed this offseason. And I think if the offensive line's better, Sam Darnold, we can expect, will be a, a lot better. And he, I can't imagine Le'Veon Bell plays worse. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think this is a team that if – and you by, by the way, the schedule, the, the, moving the NFL.com schedules is just killing me. Like, I cannot, I cannot function. Wait, what's wrong? The NFL.com, we, we talked they, about they revamped, they revamped their entire I website. I can't believe they didn't consult Will Brinson before. They, they haven't uh, loaded up all the old sites onto the new look. No, they're not doing it. You have to go to the team page to get, like. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's driving me nuts. Like that, like, I, I like. I will, in, in Brinson's defense, when I like search for player stats, now you have to click two extra buttons to try to get to the player stats that you're trying to find. I'm like, what are you doing? Why did it, why does the font need to be 55? I'm a hundred years old. I can read 12 point font. You don't need the, the font to be so well, large. Well, we're complaining about websites. ESPN revamped or like, if you do like team stats and like, you know, total defense yards and all that. And it's fine, except they remove like the ranking numbers. So if you want to like count like this team in the middle of the pack, if they're ranked 16th or 17th, you literally have to count by hand because on the left hand column, they got I wouldn't, I wouldn't know that because I get all my team stats from CBS. Yeah. I would I never go to ESPN.com. Who would do that? The big, the big takeaway is that, uh, Sean's a traitor. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thrashing ESPN. What are you guys? I'm, I was research opposition research. Come on, guys. <laughs> right. Sounds um, like a politic. So is, it, do, is that, do we feel like we got the Jets covered there? I think the Jets can win the division. I think people. Yeah, are- well, when we were doing on the HQ show, the odds they had the like most enticing odds where you could buy into them being the long. It's like guy. seven or eight to one or something. Seven. Yeah. What's the over under? William Hill. Do we know? Uh, Ryan's seven and a half. Ryan's Six famous half. question. What's the over under? I know you don't have it in front of you, but what is it? Well, uh, somehow- I do have the William Hill <laughs> odds in front of me, in case you guys would like to know them. Six and a half. Would you like to know them? I think, it's, yeah. I think it's seven and a half, isn't it? Seven and a half would be my. Their guess. Super Bowl odds are a hundred to one. Over under wins, please. <laughs> so when you say in front of you, you mean like not in front of you? Not, or? Yeah. No, I mean I have to scroll down through all the other odds. I could give you the division odds, but you didn't want that. You want the what's uh, what are the division odds? Seven. The division odds are plus seven fifty, which oh. are the same as the Dolphins. The Bills are plus one thirty. See, that's wrong. The Jets. The, the Jets are, are the Jets are a better football team than the Dolphins. Exactly. That's no, no, the, the odds are right, Brinson. I just want to be clear to everyone. You're saying that it shouldn't be that. I'm saying that they are incorrectly priced. All right. Well, you should make a lot of money. Go place your bet. Uh, The Dolphins. Did we we get the win total yet? No, it's not not right. (laughs) Are you are you are you are you using an actual scroll? Like what's happening? (laughs) Down on like the keyboard. The win total. Is it like Sanskrit? Over under. Well, I would give it to you, but you keep interrupting me. The win total. We're trying to filibuster for you. Uh, thank you. The over under is six and a half. Yes. Uh, and, but the over is juice. So it's negative 120 
Uh, the under is plus 100, even money. I like that over a lot. Yeah, that team could win. I mean, if you tell me the team went 9-7, to seven, uh, that meant everything went right for them, I feel like, right? Yeah. I mean, but again, I, I mentioned the opening stretch. There's also a three-game stretch where they play the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Patriots. Yeah. That's pretty brutal. They end the season with the Seahawks, Rams, and Patriots. It's three of their final four games. Are we sure? They I mean, but, doing against the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, are we sure? But, like, that's the interesting thing. Like, this is one of those schedules where I think you look at it. Like, are we sure the Seahawks, Rams, Browns, and Patriots are going to be good? That's their final four teams. Like, I, those four the teams. are because they're my Super Bowl team. I, and the game's in Seattle, and Seattle doesn't lose to Eastern time zone teams. There it is. And they have to go to L.A. Wait a second. You, you, Sean, you just skipped over the qualification. Breach is now making about playing in Seattle. <laughs> oh. Wait, uh, this, this, Seattle. That means it's the win. That means the Saints win. are a central time zone team. Exactly. I will, I what am I missing? What, what's the joke here? Remember he said, no one's going into Seattle and win. Uh, the no. Saints. He guaranteed the Seahawks would beat the Saints with Bridgewater in Seattle. And don't, don't forget too, like some of these, like, like Seattle is not going to be nearly as tough to play in if, if, if we're doing social distancing crowds. Like if, you know, in, instead no, of, instead of 12s, you got sixes. No, no. You just want to make that terrible joke. Six feet apart. I would say play the music because you dunked on yourself, but we're not doing that apparently. Yeah, so um, <laughs> this is weird. This is from Patrick Clarity, who actually wrote it. Uh, we're recording this on May 22nd. Uh, he said, Dickie V, one star. I, this has been my favorite pod for a year plus. It is the first thing I listen to every morning when I wake up. It's part of my routine. However, I can no longer stand to be yelled at by the dumbass Dick Vitale Dunkaroo clip. <laughs> At first, this is funny, and I got a decent <laughs> laugh out of it. Now, Will is simply beating a dead horse and annoying the crap out of me. See you later, super friends. Okay, so like this. Let me before you, before you yell at this person. What's this person's name? Uh, Patrick Cloherty. Before you yell at Patrick, I think Patrick is actually onto something because if he doesn't like Dick Vitale for whatever reason, the way he announces football games, the last thing I'd want to hear is the most annoying person that I that I, I consider the most annoying person yelling every fifteen seconds something that I find extremely annoying. So I understand that. Maybe we need to use it a little more judiciously, but uh, so I, I, I would certainly. Well, I, on the Friday podcast, I suggest suggest that someone besides Brinson should have control of it, mm. so that it does get used judiciously. That's fair. Uh, because fair Brinson enough. is just wild west out there. His trigger finger, you don't know when it's going off. You or maybe like- <laughs> we need like a uh, 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 what's what's the word? A, a group of of dunk dunked on clips to, to roll through, so we're not doing Dickie B every time. Yeah, I was about to play it again. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like, oh, they're talking about it. I'll come back and listen now. Then you would play it. Well, I was, I was, I thought I had it loaded. It, 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 it like got frozen up. My quick time, like, like, like closed up. But I, I was, um, I was trying to play it after I read the review because Patrick dunked on me with his review. I will say this: if you are a longtime listener who loves the show and makes it part of your routine every day, and then we do something that annoys you. How about you email me? I put my email. My DMs are well, open. You yell at people about putting everything on the podcast. Oh, as opposed to giving you one star. No, did this person give you one star or five star? One star. He just said he listens to it every day, and now he's chased off by a Dickie V soundbite? Yeah, email Brinson or... Like, or you, I, you listened to me for a year, and I didn't annoy you enough to run away, and then Dickie played Dickie V eight times, and you were like, I'm out, that's it? That is someone who's just not a Dickie V fan. I mean, Ryan... Oh! By the way, this is how Brinson argues with his wife, I'm guessing. Like, he... it's. Brent's is part, probably partially responsible, but he turns it around to make it feel like he's the victim no matter what. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Patrick, if you could, would be so kind as to email Brinson or. I, I'm just saying, like, if you got a problem with something on the podcast, I am more than open and willing to listen to it. Like, if you don't like a guest, if you don't like a super friend, like, whatever it is, like, you know, hit me up and let me know. Uh, it doesn't. Um... Yeah, at least the person who hates me, at least they gave us five stars. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of not liking a super friend. No, hold on. We'll uh, get to that, we'll that, that in a second. But first, oh <laughs> I guess breaking news sweeping in. Auto, as we were recording you on the Friday. for doing breaking news four days later. Dun, 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 dun. Joe yes, not- Flacco, baby! What about him? Signing with the Jets. Oh. Oh, Sam Darnold, job in trouble. Mm. Uh, you know I'm in on the Jets now. Come on, yeah, man, right. my man Joe. So the question is, is Joe Flacco's neck okay? I, I guess it is. Or is he basically Mike Glennon slash Nick Foles at this point? Uh, what does he bring? Um, and the... Do you think Joe Flacco has stepped back from his uh, hot take last year that, hey, man, I'm not here to help younger quarterbacks. That's not my job. Yeah, I think he'll help Sam Darnold. I, I think he's. I think he'll be a good backup. Um, Surly, he'll fit with Adam Gates. They also nicely. drafted James Morgan to to breach his point, um, who was like a lot of people liked him as like the best developmental quarterback. Um, so maybe Joe Flacco can help him. So the up. biggest loser here is David Fails then. We'll, we'll see. James, uh, James Morgan. David Phillips can't get a job unless Adam Gase is there. He's pretty much been with Adam Gase's entire career. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, maybe Brian Schottheimer will be next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today. All right, Brian, thanks for uh, taking the time here, man. Uh, I hope you're doing well during, uh, during quarantine. What's, uh, what's a, what's the day to day life look like for a, uh, for a, for a, a, you know, a, a prominent coach in the NFL, uh, during quarantine? Well, I tell you what, it's definitely a little bit unusual. Um, uh, still getting a lot of stuff done, which we're excited about, uh, the Zoom meetings. I'm becoming a Zoom expert. I know how to pin video. I know how to become a co-host and things like that. Certainly <laughs> things I never knew before. 
Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it was a challenge. I would say a little bit in the beginning, just getting used to the technology and stuff, but, um, we've gotten quite a bit done. We've uh, been meeting with our players four days a week and, uh, about two hour meetings and stuff and getting a lot of, a lot of football covered and, uh, trying to make it as interactive as we uh, can. And uh, we've gotten quite a bit done. Uh, of course, it's not like being out on the field and doing the things we should be doing in phase two, uh, but uh, we're making the most of it. We always compete. That's kind of the central theme of the program is always compete. And we're doing that, we think, uh, with the best of them uh, in the in the league circles. All right. So my theory is that in 2020, and l- assuming that we get, uh, sort of a, you know, a minimized offseason, which I think, I mean, we already, we're already kind of there in the first place, but hopefully we get full training camps and all that. My theory is that teams, the teams that have continuity at quarterback, offensive coordinator, head coach, and offensive line will be the most successful in 2020. Do you agree with that or think it's maybe has a little bit of merit? Anything there? Yeah, I, I really do. Um, I think certainly uh, most of those aspects I would uh, 100% agree with. I think uh, quite often I've gotten off these Zoom calls and I've thought, wow, to be a new staff, it would certainly be yeah. a bit different. You've never met some of these guys. You're trying to implement a new system, a new culture in a lot of cases, and you're doing it like we are here. You're talking and uh, you're face to face, but you're really not face to face. And so, um, certainly having a guy like Russ be back, uh, me going into year three, uh, obviously with Pete leading the charge, uh, I think teams like us, um, at least during this period have a chance to maybe get more done than, than the new staffs that are trying to get, uh, those things, uh, put into place. Uh, another theory I've got working is that, uh, you guys in Seattle, have built out your wide receiver core on the premise of attacking vertically via play action with uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, you had Philip Dorsett, even Greg Olson is, is really a great route runner off of play action. Uh, am I onto something there when, uh, when you, and like, is there a conscious effort by the front office and John Schneider to sort of do those things and, and find guys that fit the sort of, sort of system you want to run? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we've kind and we've kind of grown and we've kind of adapted. I think, you know, it's, it's, not a big secret that Russell Wilson's an unbelievable deep ball thrower. Um, again, I've been blessed to be around some great ones and, and he's, he's at the top of the list of guys I have just that innate ability to add a little bit of air when he needs to or to kind of, you know, take something off it when he needs to, to fit a ball in deep down the field. He's terrific at that. And, uh, I think after my first year there, we kind of, uh, really looked at ourselves and said, Hey, look, you know, um, the one thing you can't teach is size and speed. And so again, you saw us able to get a combination of both last year with, with DK in the draft. Uh, you saw what he was able to do. Obviously Tyler's extremely fast. You add a guy like Philip Dorsett, um, that helps. And then again, you mentioned the play action. You know, we're always, uh, always looking for ways to manipulate the defense with play fakes. Again, Russ has got huge hands and can really, you know, do a great job in the ball handling aspect. So, uh, you're on to something. We love the. We love the speed aspect, and then we love using our guys um, off of play action, trying to get them back in behind the second level of the defense. Uh, who is who is more likely? Who's more ripped, Pete Carroll or DK Metcalf? Uh, it's very close. Uh, <laughs> I'd say uh, you know, depending on the meal of the day. No, it's. Uh, I was actually in the room. Everybody's seen the video, right? The video went viral of DK walking in with his shirt off and Pete being Pete and just saying, "I'm not afraid of you. I'm not taking his shirt off." Uh, it was one of the most memorable moments of my combine career. Uh, I don't think that I will forget that in the near future, but it was fun because 
you know, Pete was quick to do it, but boy, he was quick to put that sucker back on at the end of the day too. He was like, okay, let's get back to work. Uh, but what, what a cool moment that was, but I'd say DK has him by just a hair. Uh, I hope that when I am 68 years old, I look anything remotely, uh, as good as Pete Carroll does. The guy, I mean, like he just exudes this like positive. And I think it's funny too, because I've always said this, like people, you know, we were talking a little bit before, like I went to NC state. I saw Russell Wilson here. Um, obviously followed him through Wisconsin. And, and was, was, yeah, I thought he would succeed when he got to the NFL. Cause just because he has this, it's almost like a, uh, it's a, uh, optimistic zombie. Like he and Pete Carroll, are like the same way. It's like, like nothing, that, nothing can happen to him that will destroy the aura of positivity that they both have and the, this like just nonstop enthusiasm. Isn't it amazing how they sort of pair like that together? Well, it, it really is amazing, Will. I mean, I think when you look at number one, you know, just talking about Pete and the energy, I me, mean, you mentioned it, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure. I think he's the second oldest coach in the league, but you know, 68, soon to be, I think 69. The guy has boundless energy. I mean, boundless energy. I can, I can think back to the very first time, uh, my first day on the job, uh, took the job back two years ago, whatever it was. And, uh, it was lunch break. We'd been doing a lot of meetings and stuff and we go out to play a basketball game. Right. And I'm going up for a rebound and all of a sudden I feel my legs kind of get taken out from under me. <laughs> what, who is it? It's Pete Carroll boxing me out. I, okay. I see how we're going to play this game. Um, but the guy's just, he, he's amazing. Um, so positive. The culture is so positive. I think that's why players love being around it. And again, when you partner him with a guy like Russ, who has the ab- absolutely the most inner calm or most positive attitude, no matter what the situation of the game is, if we're down 30 with five minutes to go, whether we're tied with two minutes to go in a game, there's nobody that I've ever been around that, that believes, believes, regardless of the situation, we will find a way to win. So I think those two guys together, what they've done over time, um, they can draw to it. And people, I know guys in the huddle or guys in the locker room, regardless of what the situation is, when those two guys talk, they believe it because they've put it on film and they've done it. Whether come from behind victories or big adjustments at halftime, they've both done it. Really two cool guys to, to, to be a part of that, that program. Uh, so Pete Prisco, are, I don't, you know, Pete, you know, yeah, sure do. Yep. Okay. Would you say Pete is a, do you think Pete's a, Pete's a decently smart football guy, right? I would say Pete's got good experience with, with, <laughs> as a polite way of saying he's old. I like it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so Prisco put out his top 100 NFL players list on, uh, uh, I guess by the time people listen to this, maybe it'll be like uh, late or like early last week. Um, okay. and, uh, he finally, for the first time, it, 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 ever since 2012 that he's been doing this. He has Russell Wilson inside the top 10. Uh, what on earth is number three, actually? He had him like 25 wow. last year, uh, which is just a slap in the face. Uh, it, it, Russ has never gotten an MVP vote. There's a stat out there floating around, uh, Twitter about that. Uh, it, it, do you think Russ gets the, the credit he deserves around the, I mean, like around the league? Yes. But like outside from the outside perception, do you think he's still falls in the, the underrated in terms of how good he is? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to my, my exposure to him. I mean, when I first got out here, I thought Russ was a good player. Um, you know, I had never obviously, um, done anything with him in terms of watching him really work. And I thought he was a good player. I thought he was a guy who was going to scramble around and make plays and improvise and all those things that he does. But, um, you know, when I got here and I saw his ability to throw the football, not just down the field, but accurately, we call it 
you know, what we call a ball placement. He's able to yeah. put the ball exactly where you want it, not just to where the guy can catch it, but I mean exactly where you want it. And I was quite honestly blown away and I was surprised. And so again, I think it, unless you truly love the Seahawks and you watch the Seahawks, I think what he does just comes so naturally and easy that people underestimate him. And I know one thing, I am thrilled and excited about 2020 because I think the chatter about the MVP votes, hmm. but motivate him. Uh, he will, uh, he, he is ready to work. He's always ready to work, but he's the wrong guy to doubt, man. He is the wrong guy to say, nah, he can't do that because he, uh, he will carry a grudge and he will work his ass off to make it go. He, he, see, he doesn't get the grudge credit that like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers do because he's so polite and sort of almost people look at it as like robotic in terms of how he approaches like public speaking. He holds a grudge. Like oh, he, he, he yeah, he's one. got a, he's got a chip on his shoulder from when, from where he was drafted and what he's done. And, and I think it's a beautiful thing and it's a beautiful thing to watch that motivate him. But you're right. People see the persona and they hear him talking about his faith and he's a great dude. But boy, inside that, uh, inside that chest and that, and, uh, his rib cage, man, that heart is beating fierce, brother. I interviewed him, uh, in, I think 2012 at the Super Bowl and I'm, I brought up Tom O'Brien, uh, who, you know, and, uh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. We yeah. probably heard some of the same stories, and, but like you saw it in his eyes and he's like, Oh, it's like, okay, that's, there's Russ. There's the Russ that like his teammates know and, and his coaches know. Well, again, and I, I remember he's told a lot of stories, you know, I mean, North Carolina, you know, at first they wanted to be a DB. And so I think he enjoyed going to NC State and being like, Hey, listen, uh, you guys are about to pay the price for thinking I was a defensive back and uh, not good enough to play quarterback. So those things like that. He never, Brian, he never lost to North Carolina in his, oh, is that in right? his career. And like, and like, like one of the teams that beat him, like had no business beating Carolina and he pulls off this crazy, uh, two point, or it's like fourth and two at the goal line. He pulls it off and makes this insane throw to beat him at the line. Like he just wasn't going to lose to Carolina because of that. Wow. That's, I am not surprised by that. I, I'm not surprised by that. Well, and as we were talking, I'll take over the interview for a second. Who's oh, yeah. the quarterback to come out of NC State? There's been a couple good ones. Uh, yeah, it's tough, man. So, uh, QBU, we got, uh, we got Rivers. I think Rivers is probably the best, in, but mainly because Russ has got the whole pack. Start, yeah. 52 starts for Philip, right? Or whatever it was. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Mike Glennon, uh, my Good boy player. was there. He took over. He, he had the unfortunate, um, you know, he unfortunately had to take over for Russ. And that's just, okay. a, it, it's a bad spot to be. Jacoby Brissett, uh, we got go. Ryan Finley just came out. Um, you know, you could actually, uh, you know, you can actually make the case for Roman Gabriel if you really want to throw it back into the day. Wow. Well, I assume you weren't, I know you spent quite a while in school. I assume you weren't there. When Roman was there. <laughs> I assume you weren't there then. <laughs> no, I, I got a, I got all Phil. That, see, that's like, that's like the unfortunate thing too. You know, you talk about being at Florida, um, and you, you know, Spurrier and Warfel and you backed up Warfel, I believe, right too. Yeah, um, I did. Yep. I did. Yep. And, uh, but like, you get spoiled, man. Like, I, you know, I get, I get to college. I'm like, us. Oh, so you just, you know, I get to root for Philip Rivers my whole life. And, you know, then you realize it's not that easy. There's no doubt. I tell people all the time, I'm like, yeah, it took a Heisman Trophy winner to keep me on the bench. True. <laughs> I was not a great player, uh, but uh, I at least can use that. Yeah, I got beat out by a Heisman Trophy winner. That's pretty cool. Hey, uh, let me, I, I, speaking of, uh, of Rivers, I have a, I have a theory and I, I think you had left the Chargers. I have another theory. I have lots of dumb theories. But um, in uh, in 2006, you'd left the Chargers, right? Uh, yeah, that was my first year as a coordinator with the Jets. Yep. Okay. I think that if 
You're if if Marlon McCree doesn't fumble that ball in the playoffs, that team wins the Super Bowl. Agree or disagree? Completely, one hundred percent agree. There, uh, we we had lost the week before to the Patriots. I was with the Jets. Uh, we had lost to the Patriots in the wild card round. Uh, traveled out to San Diego to support, you know, uh, my dad and the team and the squad. And um, just, uh, I mean, heartbreaking, heartbreaking turnaround in that game, you know. And again, people don't realize that's really what forced overtime. He fumbled. Troy Brown rips it out, but that was a heck of a football team, man. What were they? Fourteen and two that year, and fourteen and two loaded team. Loaded LT at his 31 touchdowns or whatever the hell the number was, something crazy. But, uh, I would, I would agree with you, um, that if they had stayed, they won that game and they stayed healthy, albeit not lose one of their core guys, they had a really great opportunity to win, win the Super Bowl. Uh, one of the, okay. So do you, do you read Twitter at all? Like when are you, are, are you, are you aware of Seahawks Twitter? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm aware. I'm, of Twitter, I've got uh, two teenage kids. My wife's on it. They actually convinced me to get on it last year, and I quite honestly did not realize how much work it requires. Yeah, it does. So I've since been like, look, I got a lot of things going on. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm aware of um, uh, Twitter sphere, I guess is what you call it. But yes. Yeah. Well, Seahawks Twitter is a special kind of Twitter. I don't know. Like they are, they're like a bunch of really, and I mean this like politely, but like they all seem like they're on drugs. Um, and they all, they all have these weird concepts and, and all of this. I didn't know, I so I, I didn't know, like, um, like if you had seen, like, uh, 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 Cable Thanos. You know about Cable Thanos? Yeah. Yep. I do. Yep. I know Cable. Yep. Yeah. He's okay. got cool memes or whatever you call those. Yes. Things. Yeah. He's got memes, right? That's, I don't know why they're called memes, but I know what a meme is. That, that was, that was my, uh, very disastrous segue from the 2006 Chargers into, into Seahawks Twitter. Um, okay. clearly a wide ranging thing. So you had Rivers, you had Rivers for, I guess two years. Two years. Uh, yeah, yeah, we drafted him in 04. Uh, well, traded for him in 04. That was the yeah. Eli Manning trade and all that stuff. But had him in 04, 05, and then left in 06, the year he took over, uh, cause Breeze left that same year. Dude, um, how do you think Phil will do in Indianapolis making that transition? Cause I think, like, I know it's tough in this offseason to go to a new squad, but to me, I think like a guy like Rivers and a guy like Tom Brady, just because of their veteran experience and, and rivers with Frank Wright and, you know, uh, you know, knowing that system should be a pretty good transition, right? Yeah. I actually talked to Philip a couple of weeks ago and nice. again, he's, he's in, he's in a great spot. He feels really good about, um, the system. Obviously the comfort with, with, with Frank is important. It's really a good football team. They've got a nice defense. They've got a great offensive line. I was there for two years. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's a heck of a player. Jack Doyle's a really good player. Um, you know, we drafted, uh, uh, Marlon, um, in the, I don't want to say it, Marlon Mack, uh, yep. late in my last year there, I think, but uh, I think he's going to a great situation. And again, that's not what we talked about earlier, a new staff, a new head coach, a new scheme. Like he's coming in and he's going to add the things that he wants to add working with Frank and Nick and those guys. But, uh, I think it's a great situation for him and he'll make quite a big impact, I would think. And, uh, that's a tough division anyways. Yeah. It seems like Chris Ballard has. He's got a real blue collar sensibility about building a roster, you know. I was around Chris for uh for a, 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 a entire year and a half, and very impressive, unbelievable worker in terms of talent evaluator. Uh, just wants to really give you what you need as a coaching staff. Uh, I, I love what they do. I love what they do from personnel decisions. I think obviously Frank coming in there with the culture, and it's it's fun to look back, right? So Josh is going to go, and then he doesn't go, and people are in an uproar. Again, you talked about Twitter, right? And Twitter oh, yeah. oh, yeah. takes off and all oh, the, the Colts will never be the same team. And 
you look at what they've done with, with Frank coming in and then I was surprised, not completely, but that, that Andrew decided to retire. Um, and so, you know, Jacoby's a, a really good player, but again, I think the familiarity with, with Philip and Frank and, and that system makes it an easier fit than most teams that have to get new quarterbacks up to speed. All right. I will get you out of here on this. Uh, you, you, uh, you like, you guys like to run the ball. That's PK. It's Pete. It's what Pete wants to do. And, uh, and, and, uh, and you have a couple good running backs, Chris Carson, uh, and Rashad Penny, both a little banged up, right? I don't know if you, I don't know if you talked to them, what their status is. Jamie Eisenberg, our fantasy guy would kill me if I didn't ask about this. And then I'm curious too, what you think about the, uh, about DJ Dallas, fourth round, uh, rookie. Uh, what, what are your sort of expectations? Where do these guys stack up? And, and, and do you, do you have a plan for like distributing carries this coming year and how you want to handle yeah. it? <clears throat> yeah. Again, I think with the injuries, I mean, I think both guys are doing a great job. They're both, I mean, you don't worry about either guy, Will. I mean, they're both, you know, Chris has been through injuries before. I mean, he got injured his rookie year in Seattle. Um, you know, you talk about a great worker. You talk about, about a guy that, uh, just, you know, looks the part. And when you, you see him, you know, running sprints and things when actually the very first day I was, uh, there, I met Chris and I was like, wow, what a great looking athlete. Yeah. And then, you know, Rashad was really, really, really doing well last year when the injuries, uh, kind of struck, you know, but again, I think it happened. If it's going to happen, it happened at a good spot for him because his confidence was an all-time low. He ripped off like 140 yards against the Eagles a week or two before, had a great game on a Sunday or Monday night against the Vikings, uh, just a yeah. beautiful play. So his confidence was at an all-time high. So he's anxious and excited to get back. Um, I thought what Travis Homer did for us last year. Yeah, you know, we, I didn't list Homer. That's my yeah. bad. He played well. Yeah, no, and, you know, I mean, bringing Marshawn in, that was a lot of fun. I mean, that was really cool, you know, kind of him coming back to the Seahawks. But Travis Homer really did some great, great things for us. And, um, again, just showing you that, again, it's a position not necessarily of need, but one you're always looking for because it's such a volatile position. You know, you get a guy like DJ Dallas who, again, was a – athlete in high school, great player, goes down there, can play some receiver. Uh, but you watch this guy play football. And, and what I love about him, even through the rookie meetings, is the juice that he brings, man. He loves ball. He's got, he's got swag about him. I mean, he just, he wants to compete. He doesn't, he's not concerned about who's there. He's just going to go out there and, and play ball. And uh, I love guys like that. So, uh, again, at some point, we're going to get back out there and, and, and roll the ball out there and have some fun. But uh, we feel good about that position. And um, again, uh, I'm excited to see these guys get back and, and, and get on the grass. By the way, seven yards of carry for uh, Rashad Penny over those two games at Philly, uh, at Philly and, and then Minnesota. To be two critical wins for getting in the playoffs, too. He, yeah. I, I was, and, and, it's a shame because he, you're right. He was like starting to come on. Well, and here's the thing I would say. And if you ask Rashad, he'd say the same thing. Really, what we noticed, Will, was a difference in his approach to practice and preparation. Mm. So again, for all the young players that are out there, you know, there's a learning curve, right? There is. I mean, you come in the NFL and you're coming from San Diego State or, or Florida. It doesn't matter. There's a learning curve. But he learned that it's how you practice. It's how you prepare in the meetings that allows you to go and play with a clear mind and just play football. And uh, the guy's a hell of a football player. And he showed that in those couple games. And uh, I have no question he'll, he'll get back to that, uh, that level at some point. All right, I lied. I got one more, one more quick one for you. So you no have been problem. around, uh, D, uh, Debo, the, our producer, my producer picked, uh, picked, picked out the full list of quarterbacks that you, well, not the full list, but the, the, the cream of the crop list of quarterbacks you've been around. I uh, will exclude 
uh, Russell Wilson from this because he's your current one and that would be your obvious answer. Uh, who is the, who is the, who's the best quarterback you've worked with non Russell Wilson division, uh, throughout your career? Well, you know, I'm not going to answer that question because I have a very, very good relationship with all these guys. <laughs> I know. But I will say this. Um, again, I think it was really cool to watch Philip, um, and Drew compete. Uh, it was awesome to watch Drew go from being a, um, you know, a guy that got benched in our second year there. We replaced him with Doug Flutie. Uh, I can still remember him sitting on the sidelines and will he never took his helmet off ever. Mm. So the game was going on and he was just standing there with his chin strap buckled, ready to go in. Um, you know, to watch he and, uh, and, and Philip compete was amazing. Uh, you know, had some really great years, uh, in with the Jets. I mean, Chad Pennington, what a, what a great field general, what a, just a great leader. He was awesome. The Favre year was undeniably maybe my, my most enjoyable, fun, crazy year just because we got him after preseason game one or two and, he had never been involved in our system and we had to transition and stuff. Um, and then, you know, then Sanchez comes in. We have a bunch of success. We go to championship game after championship game. Um, St. Louis, Sam Bradford to this day is maybe one of the best passers, pure passers I've ever been around. Uh, and if I think if he stays healthy, he's got, you know, uh, he's got uh, some amazing numbers that he would have uh, done. And then obviously uh, after that, let's see, we go to uh, Indy. Uh, and then you got Andrew, who's an unbelievable player, great, uh, unbelievable football smarts. You know, Jacoby yeah. did a nice job. Uh, and so I've been really, really blessed. And, um, but each one had different things that I remember about them. Um, but they all won and, and prepared a different way. And that's, that's been something that's been cool for me to take with me other places that, that I've been. That's a, uh, that's a very diplomatic answer, but, 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 but an accurate one. Uh, yeah, I gave you guys a little bit of insight into each. Uh, I mean, that'd be like picking between my kids saying, Oh, I like Sutton more than Savannah or Savannah more than Sutton. I can't. <laughs> yeah. You, you cannot pick a kid right now in quarantine. Cause then, then, then you got more like I, the, the problem at my house right now, we've got these, uh, these quarantine elves that sneak into my house and drink all my red wine every night. Really? And, yeah. It's all, I don't know. I don't know how they get in here. I can't stop them every night. It's like the wine's just disappeared. It's wild. Well, my kids are responsible for keeping the dogs from barking when I'm zooming with 51 players. You know, <laughs> yeah. if I pick one versus the other, all of a sudden the dogs are going to be barking. I'll get nothing done. Exactly. All right, Brian. I appreciate the time. Man. This is a lot of fun. I uh, look forward to seeing the Seahawks this year and uh, be safe this all season and take care, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it, buddy. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.